What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hustle Muscle Podcast. I'm your host. I am the hustle. I think I'm slowly turning into <laughs> muscle, but I am the hustle, Chris Graham, and my counterpart. The muscle, Kristen Graham. Pretty soon, I will be taking over that role. You're going to be the hustle and the muscle, and then what am I? Uh, you were just going to be the counter host, and that's the the, your I'm going to counter you. Assistant every time. to the host. PJ. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, PJ. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, I do have to say, though, that your hair looks phenomenal tonight. Yeah, amazing. That is because I have to give all the credit to get it in there. Uh, Marissa stayed because she wanted to do my hair, and I just can never make it look the way that she does. So all the She's credit. She's a professional. Yes. My barber. I feel like over the the last year, your hair is slowly going like Jersey Shore-esque. <laughs> somebody wrote <laughs> this last video that I did. Somebody wrote, um, hey, Bert, when's Ernie showing up? And I thought that was really cool. <laughs> I don't really know what I want to do with it. I'm just happy that I have it still. Yeah, you have good hair. Thank you. I think I have great hair, but I can't ever make it look. So even my bar my, my barber, he's like, uh, he won't listen to this, so I'm just going to say he's a little bit ghetto. And he goes, why you been using a comb on your hair all the time? And I'm like, I always do a comb on my hair. And, and he goes, but I don't use a comb on your hair, and it looks good when I do it, but I, I see you in your videos, and I'm like, hair doesn't look right. And I'm like, look, you guys are professionals. I can't make it look. Like you guys, I have to just comb my hair. Is it really that big of a difference? And he's like, yeah. And Marissa, the, Marissa said the same thing. She's like, whatever you're doing with your comb, you're just not making your hair look right. All the professionals, there's something to right. say. What's so bad? Yeah. That's why we need women in our lives once in a while. Yeah. All right, so let's get started. Um, so tell us a little bit about PJ Braun. Who is PJ Braun today? Well, uh, I change very, very often I'm like the chameleon. So today I'm actually in my, uh, all the jokes that I want to say are like not even allowed anymore. So I was going to say today I'm the homosexual version of myself, but I probably offend somebody by saying that. It's a very soft world that we're in now. So I a lot uh, of trigger, little trigger warnings throughout this whole episode. If you're easily offended, just <laughs> log out now. Yeah, uh, I will offend you somehow. But if I, I could say that I'm pansexual, I learned this year. Do you guys know about pansexual? Does that mean that you, uh, I think, I feel like I Googled this recently. Like you, you don't care what you are. You don't identify. Is that Yeah, you just love, you, you love, uh, love and energy. So it could be anything. Oh, I like it. Yeah. I actually have a pansexual fan. Shout out to OmniFit. And he, he broke it all down. He loves me. So that's good. So you could be in a relationship with, uh, another man, another woman. You could be in a relationship with, uh, a lesbian uh as a man uh it doesn't matter you don't identify anything other than the love and the energy huh okay this is yeah. very educational right off the bat yeah i try always always yeah. learn things from pj i told this to my mom and she goes i think that i might be pansexual i was like get out of here mom you don't know what you are <laughs> she texted me the same thing <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad my mom's texting you that's good that makes sense. <laughs> she's texting you yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Blackstone Labs and how this company started. Um, like what made you decide like, I'm going to make like pre-workout or I'm going to make a protein powder. How did that start? So I'll give you a good story because I was just asked the other day, Carlos, my barber again, he goes, you know, he's only like 24. So that age, that mindset is so different, right? So he goes, 
when did you decide that you were just going to make millions? And I was like, well, I still, I still haven't quite figured out how to make that decision. But um, when I was, I give you the best cliff notes right now, because this could be a, a five-hour podcast. So I'll give you important segments of my life. When I was in school, when I was very young, I was, uh, I always was acting out in school. And my parents were like, he's got to have ADHD. So they made me do all these tests. They wanted to put me on Ritalin so bad to chill me out. And after going through all these tests, they told my parents, they're like, he has 138 IQ. So he is like super, super highly advanced for his age. So we want to skip him ahead in school. And my grandpa did that. He graduated when he was 16 and he went on, he, he helped, uh, he actually helped build the Hubble Space Telescope. He's a very accomplished man, but he was a huge nerd. He got picked on a lot. And I was already like 50 pounds overweight, total bookworm nerd. And rather than pushing me ahead in school, they decided to get me into sports, which I think molded like my work ethic, right? So at an early age, because I was so advanced, I was always so stimulated in, in completely different things. And when I had got out of school, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew that I liked uh, being in charge of things. So I, I assumed, well, I must be some sort of uh, business mind. I guess I'll be a business major because I want to be the boss. And so when I was in school, I was also getting really, really into my bodybuilding at that point. I started when I was 12 years old. And I was reading every bodybuilding book I could. And I was reading every nutrition book I could. I read Chris Aceto's book when I was in uh, my freshman year of college. And I finally got to the point where I was just so bored in school. And I've told this story before. I was staring at this, this gothic chick that was in my class. She looked just like Marilyn Manson. And I was staring at her. And I was thinking, what would it be like, like banging this gothic chick? And she turned and looked at me and gave me the dirtiest look. And it, it startled me so much that I was like, that moment, I said, excuse my language, fuck school, I'm done with this place. That girl just made me feel uncomfortable. I went home, I got online, I went on Vistaprint, and for $4.99, I came up with the name Braun Fitness, and I made my own uh, personal training cards. Now, at that point, I wasn't even certified to be a personal trainer, but I knew that I wanted to help people in the gym, so my buddy was like, you need to go and get certified through the National Academy of Sports Medicine, they're the best. So I went, I took their course, which nowadays is like this thing. And uh, I got certified. And so back then I was going up to people, I had my line in the gym was, I would go up to somebody doing an exercise and instead of being like aggressive or meat-heady about it, I would say, hey, uh, I noticed that you're doing tricep extensions. I would like to show you a variation that I like of that exercise. And then I would show them and they'd be like, oh wow, I really like that. You know, do you know any other tips? And the next thing you know, I'd be training them. So it got to the point where I was training about eight people a day and I was maxed out and I was like, so this is the most money that I could make unless I increase how much I was charging. So I was charging 40 bucks an hour back then. So eventually I, you know, pushed it up to 50, 60, but I still was like, this is the most that I could make. I wanna make more than this. It's not really supporting what I want to do as a bodybuilder. And that was still my main passion. So it was funny. I was working with uh, my coach, Dave Palumbo, and I would send in check-in pictures. And back then there was, you know, there was not even Facebook yet. There was no, none of the social media. So you used to email your coach and then you'd wait a week to see what he would say. And Dave would always just be like, do more cardio. And so the girl that I was dating, 
she was like, why do you go to school for nutrition and, and all the things that you do and you take all these classes, but then you let somebody, you're paying somebody else to tell you what to do. She goes, why don't you do that? And I was like, why don't I do that? And at that moment, I started my online training business and I started trying to get as many people as I could, but it was very difficult back then. So I took all the money that I had and I traveled around the country, went to all of the pro qualifying shows. So Junior USA's, Junior Nationals did the whole circuit one year, right? And it was expensive. So for that year, a lot of times, and I have pictures of this to document that people get a kick out of where I would just ask if I could crash in somebody's room and I would just take a pillow and a blanket and sleep on the floor just to be out there. And I told my mom, I'm not gonna go after any of the guys because they're gonna be like, this guy's my competitor. I don't wanna listen to him. I decided that I was gonna go after um, all of the female competitors because figure had just started and it was getting huge. They didn't even have bikini yet. So what I did was I went to the girls in the third call out. See, I always had strategies in life. And the reason that I went to the third call out girls is because I knew the first call out girls already had a good coach. And then I knew the second call out girls were gonna be like, well, who's your coach? And Kim Oda, okay, I'm gonna go sign up with him. Now the third call out girls, these are the girls who were placing like 10 to 15. So they were good enough to be in the mix, but they probably needed direction. And I handed them my little 499 Braun Fitness card. I told them about my education, what I was doing. And I said, I guarantee if you let me coach you, that you will win whatever show I put you in. And if you do, please just tell your friends and that's all I want. And that whole year I did that and I got about 10 girls. It's a true story. Every single one of them went and, and won their next show. And so because of that, they were so excited and they told all their friends and I started growing my online business. So as my online business was growing, Facebook became a thing. And I started putting my uh, clients on Facebook and people would reach, me, reach out to me and be like, man, your clients have done such amazing transformations. Like, how do I become like one of these? So I came up with the idea of doing these last minute, which are now called in marketing terms, call to actions. So I'd put up a testimonial and it would be like a hundred pound weight loss story, right? And the people, the deal I always had was, if you're happy and you're, and you're willing to write me a testimonial, I'll feature it on my Facebook and then I'll give you some free training after that. And everybody just really wanted the opportunity to be featured on my Facebook. They were, it was something they were proud of. So when I would put these transformations up, I would say only accepting five must sign up now, but I'd get like 10 and I would sign them all. So I'd have one weekend where I'd make $10,000 just from my call to actions. Like back then that was like unheard of. So Facebook decided to do this thing where they had a subscribers page because back then you were only allowed 5,000 friends, which is who the, who's got fucking 5,000 friends anyway, nobody. But <laughs> with the subscribers, you were able to then have people that could act as if they were your friends, see you, but not get the full like friendship treatment. I don't remember what the ins and outs of it were, but they could see everything that was going on and you could pick people to talk to. So my subscribers just blew up and it was, a guy that I used to be friends with back then, Aaron Singerman, was like, do you realize that the only people that have more subscribers than you are Ronnie Coleman and Jay Cutler? And I was like, come on. And we started looking through it. And they were both Mr. Olympia. And he was like, I don't know why. People just really like you. And I was like, I don't know why either. And it went up to like 77,000. 
So with all these people watching me, I was like, there has to be a way to monetize this in a much, much better fashion. So at that point, we're into like 2011-ish. And I had a couple different sponsors. And one of the companies that I was working for, who I will remain, <laughs> let remain nameless, was just a complete moron. And we were making him a lot of money. And I met him at uh, Aaron Sermon's wedding. And I just started picking his brain, like, what made you start your company in this and that? Like, were you passionate about bodybuilding? And he, he straight up said, he's like, no, nah, I just wanted to make money. And I was so disappointed. I'm like, so you're not even passionate about the supplements? Because supplements were like my life. And he was like, no, nah, I just figured it was easy money. So I wanted to know how much value that I was providing to this guy's company. So I said, how can we track the sales that I myself am specifically doing? And he was a tech guy. And he said, well, what we can do is we can give you a discount code. And this sounds like I'm making it up, right? This sounds like I'm making it up to make the story sound cooler. But back then there was no discount codes. Like none of this was like a thing. So he goes, we'll make it where if anybody types in PG Braun, they'll get 10% off of their order. And then we can then track how many you're getting. So the first month of just me trying a little bit, I made them $30,000, right? And the guy's wife was like, oh my God, you were amazing. We love you so much. And we would have these conference calls. And so I was like, man, I need to see just how high I can take this. So in the height of the pro-hormone era, there was a month where I helped them make over $200,000 just on my coupon. My pay was 2,500 bucks. So I told, I told my buddy, I go, listen, I'm doing my own thing. I could now see that my name was responsible. Yes, it's their product, but my name was responsible for a quarter of a million dollars. I'm getting 2,500. This is not fair. I've got plenty of my own money saved. I'm going to start my own company, freaking PG Brown Nutrition or something. And I'm going to make this money for myself because it's not fair. And so in July of 2012 was the last show that I ever did. And I placed the worst that I've ever placed. And at that point, I just knew that I was done and I wanted to go into this, this you know, realm of business. And so I launched the company. So that was July 24th was USA's. I actually have the paperwork of when I filed the LLC, which was August 29th. I started Blackstone Labs September 1st. So that's how fat, fast I did it. And I started that in this spare bedroom of my house in Florida that I'd moved to. And in that year, from September 1st to uh, December 31st, I made $200,000 on my first product in Blackstone Labs. So I, I, I said to myself, I got something here. And I was still coaching. I was still doing all that. And Blackstone was growing so fast that my... At the time, it wasn't my partner yet, but my, my friend who wanted to be my partner said, you're holding yourself back with the coaching. You're putting all your time into coaching and look at how much money that you're making by yourself with Blackstone Labs. What if everybody knew like, hey, I'm done coaching. This is my company. Let's get behind this. Get all the people that like you. Get all the people that you're coaching. Get behind the brand and really do something with it. So in May of 2013, I put out a video. And I said, I'm stepping down from coaching. It was a hard video. And if somebody could find this video, I'd love to see it. I said, um, the reason I'm retiring from coaching is because I just don't feel that I could give what my clients deserve anymore because I'm very, very busy running a company that I started called Blackstone Labs. 
And the day that I did that, we had our biggest sales day ever. The day after that, we beat that number again. And the day after that, we beat that number again. And so at that point, I was like, okay, people really like me if they're getting behind my brand like that. And then I went in head first. So that year, I did 1.2 million. And that was the year that I read a book that I always tell everybody they should read called The E-Myth Revisited. And the book is truly about what an entrepreneur really is because so many people are not entrepreneurs. They are just good at one thing. And so they think, okay, I make the best cookies. I'm gonna have a cookie company. But they don't realize there's so much more to it than that. So I read this book and I realized that a true entrepreneur has a vision that can't be stopped no matter what. And you can't be boggled down with tasks that you know managers and technicians and other people could be doing for you. You've got to let go of that fear of control and bring other people on to do these things so you can attack your vision. When I read that book, I realized, damn, I am doing a lot of this wrong. I thought to myself, well, I'm going to be the salesman because who's going to sell my products better than me? I'm going to package the orders because I'm going to know exactly where they're going. I'm going to you know, manage the ads because they're my ads. Who's going to do it better than me? And I was wrong in that, that because I was spending all that time on all these little things. So I hired, the first person I hired was to do shipping. And then I hired a buddy of mine to do sales. And the year that we did that, we went from 1.2 million to 9.8 million. And that's when things really, really started clicking and I got really, really into my zone of wanting to grow the business as much as I possibly could. And of course, there's so much more to it than that and all the other companies that I started after that. But it was always around the same vision of capitalizing on social media, which of course we can talk about. I think when with everything that you just said, uh, like two things that kind of stick out when people want to either start a business or we talked about this with D Money Stevens two weeks ago was how everybody calls themselves an entrepreneur nowadays. Yep. But like the two things that um, I think hold people back is the failure to execute and the fear of failure. So yeah. I think like you kind of proved both those points in, in, in the story is, um, you know, is actually going out and actually a lot of people have these great ideas, but then they don't actually act on them. They, they're kind of like evolving in their heads, but then they never take those steps to actually try to do it. And I think another big part is people are always afraid that if I do try this business, it's gonna, if it could fail and make me look bad. So it's just that fear of like, I think it's a good idea in my head, but they're too afraid to actually see maybe it's not going to work out. So I think those those are the two things that I think hold a lot of people back. Well, one of the people that I've always loved my, my whole life, Michael Jordan. Um, and if you guys have not watched the GOAT series, like he, you have to watch it. It's just so good. It yeah, we did. We just did, yeah. I cried every episode. And it's funny the way that somebody like myself – the way that I identify with Michael Jordan is a lot of people watched it and they were like, man, he was a dick. And I was like, no, he wasn't. He just demanded the best. And he made everybody around him be the best because of what he believed in and he wouldn't accept failure. So for me, I had a guy that told me one day, he goes, you just have a lack of fear. And I said, it's not so much that I have a lack of fear because everybody fails all the time. It's just like Jordan says, I've missed more shots than I've made but I make the ones that count. And you learn from all those mistakes. So for me, I never think, what if this doesn't work? What if this doesn't work? I always think I'm gonna do this. And then if it doesn't happen, I evaluate it and say, it didn't happen because of this. And then I make it better for my next time around. There's never anything that stops me from doing anything over failure. Failure is just a, an illusion. 
You know, that's what, what Jordan always said. It's just an illusion that you create in your mind. So you have to have that mindset of always winning, always going forward and accepting that, yeah, things are not going to go your way, but you learn from them. And then you make the next time around better. Um, I, I feel like nowadays or, or even more recently is I see all these companies that always start out, especially in the, the protein supplement world is like everybody that's a bodybuilder is now coming out with like their own pre-workout, their own supplement powder. They're all starting like their own protein protein company or whatever it is. What sets somebody apart from just coming out with a product to then building like an empire and building something that's going to be like, you know, a, a structure for the future. Um, what gets people there? It's, it's really a, it's, I hate sounding like cliche and like I'm, I'm writing a motivational story cause that's not what it is, but it's a relentless obsession with what you're doing. And anybody that, especially now with social media, right? Anybody that's getting attention can think to themselves, okay, I'm getting this attention. How do I capitalize on this? Uh, I'm a fitness person, so I'll do some sort of nutrition plan or a supplement line. And all the people that follow me are going to want to buy. Are going to want to buy it. But here's the thing: it's really easy to get likes and nice comments on a picture, but to get somebody to actually commit to wanting to spend their money on you, believe in you, and then keep on doing it takes a lot more than just being popular on social media. So I find, and get ready for people to be offended that most of the people that are doing this now are doing it because they're lazy and they lack the originality to come up with something truly unique. So they're like, well, this guy's making money doing protein. I'm cooler than him. I have more followers than him. Why don't I do that? And I'll just sell protein. But when we used to pitch our business model to people, my old partner used to straight up say, we would go to these big time people and we would say, this is PJ's business model. And he's nowhere near as famous or as popular as you are. So just think about it. If he made this much money, all you got to do is be the more famous version of PJ. We'll handle the rest and you're going to make millions. And so many people, I don't want to say fell for it because they kind of were falling for his pitch, but they just thought it seems like a no brainer. Now, what the thing that they weren't realizing is that I would do a lot of things that most people just simply don't want to do. And I worked with the vice president of another company, very successful company one day. And he said, you know what, man? I see why you are where you are. And I also see why a lot of people may not like you. You will do so many things that he goes, me and myself, I just won't do. And I don't think a lot of other people will do that either. And I said, well, that's why you guys work for me. And what he meant was I would go and I would set up a booth, even though I didn't have to, before everybody else. And I would stay there and I would talk to every single person. I would make sure they understood my products and why they were taking them. And I would shake everybody's hand and talk to every single person. I would stay there until everything shut down. Then I would pack up my stuff. And then I would talk to everybody that was in the venue when I was leaving. And if I was watching events, I would cheer for people in events and then even offer my two cents on what they could have been doing better, even if it wasn't a sport that I excelled in just because I cared and I wanted to be a part of it. And that is because I'm obsessed. When you, when you have a business and you are a business-minded person, you, you're not in business just to make yourself rich. You went into business, especially in the fitness world, because you're trying to help other people be better at what they're doing. You want other people to be better as well. 
So you have to put that out on as many possible people as you can. It's not going to come easy. It has to be, like I said in the, in the start of this ramble, a relentless obsession with making sure people understand. And that never, ever ends. People say to me all the time, they're like, can't you just chill out? Like, can't you just back off? And I say, no. Because as soon as I back off, then somebody else is going to start doing what I'm doing, and then that's it. And, and, and that's it for me. I have to always be evolving, always be spreading the word, always be spreading the message. And it, it's just a lifetime commitment that you never back down from. I like that. Yeah. Um, let's go into, like, social media and, like, sponsorships and athletes and that kind of realm. What um, attracts you to an athlete when you're looking to pick up, like, a sponsor or a, um, an athlete to sponsor? So the first thing is, uh, I'm going to be completely honest, girls, and I'll explain, I'm going to explain why. Years ago, I'm going to shout him out because I love him, and he's an icon. Jay Cutler said to me, why are you going out and hiring other bodybuilders and paying them a lot of money to just basically be the secondhand version of you? And I said, well, I'm trying to get the guys that are like relevant now. And he said, yes, but bodybuilding is the same as when Arnold was doing it versus what, when I was doing it versus when you were doing it. You know, the, the principles are there, work hard, diet hard, train hard, take your supplements, be the best that you can be. So people are smart enough to know that when you're bringing these other people on, this is already your company, they know, oh, this guy is just getting paid by PJ to say that. And I thought that that was pretty profound at the time. And I, I did go away from it for a little while. And as time went on, people would say things to me. They would say, you know, like, I just want to do what you say. You're the one who, who made the products in the first place. I just, I just want to listen to you. And so going back to the women, I kind of felt that, well, I, I kind of got the guys. They're going to listen to me no matter what. Like, yes, I can bring on other popular people. Of course, I'm in a position where I can pay these guys. Yes to then be a part of what I'm doing. But that seems to be the easy part. Now, the harder part is not just convincing women why they should be using their, your products, but convincing women why they should be using the same products as everybody else. Now, it's gotten a little bit easier for two reasons. Number one, I find that, that nowadays, women seem to be more passionate about training and working out than they ever have been before. So 20 years ago, when I used to go into the gym, there was no Kay Grahams running around. There was, there was one girl. Her name is Nicole Vitale. I'll remember her forever. She actually kind of looked like Kristen, and I might have told you that before. That I, I saw her in the Bronx. She went up to the squat rack, beautiful girl, took out 225, and just started doing it for a set of 10. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, you just didn't see that. And she didn't care that all the bodybuilder guys were there. And I went over to her and I started speaking to her and I was like, man, you're strong. You just, you don't care. You just go out there and train. And she's like, I'm here to get big. And I wound up dating her for five years, but I was like, man, that's really cool. We need more girls like you. Well, 20 years later, there are so many women like that now that they don't want to have some bullshit girl supplement. They want the same shit that the guys have because first of all, not only do Everybody want to be seen as equals now, but a lot of the girls that I know, they want to be better than the guys. They want to be stronger than the guys. They want to be able to outlift the guys. They want to be the one that says, I made this guy puke. This guy couldn't hang with me. So when I design products, I design products for everyone. 
So when I'm looking for athletes now, and I'm sorry, guys, I, I love having my guys too, but I'm looking for that type of woman that can in inspire people. And so when you look at the Blackstone Labs athletes, right, people always say PG has a, a specific type. He likes uh, porno-y looking girls. And the funny thing is the most productive athletes that we have, and I've said this numerous times, the two most productive female athletes that we have are Jenna Geary and Kay Graham who are more muscular than your average woman. Uh, yes, you guys have boobs. Yes, you guys are pretty. You still have the femininity, but you train very, very hard. And you're almost like tomboyish in the sense that you're there to kick ass and that's it. And that is where fitness is going. And I saw it huge when CrossFit first started becoming a thing. Everybody talked shit about CrossFit, right? They were like, what is this shit? What is this shit? I didn't look at it like that. I was like, wait a minute. This has the potential to be huge because you're taking a lot of women who maybe they played sports in high school. Maybe they were gymnasts and they just don't know what to do now, but they want to be competitive and do something, but they don't want to go bodybuild. They just want to be able to compete hard to have that competitive edge. Well, now they have a spot to do it. And you started seeing that CrossFit type of physique, the woman side of it, just really, really, really evolve. Way more than the guy's side. Way more than the guy's side. You started seeing women on the CrossFit Games that you were like, damn, these girls are freaking specimens. And now you go to the gym, and I truly think that there are more impressive women than there are men in the gym. So since I know I got the men's spot on lock, if you look at my sales, 18 to 25 are about 55% of our sales, and they're guys. 25 to 34 are about 35% of our sales. So we're literally doing almost 90% of our sales to young men. That other 10% is women that are all spaced out in age that need to be tapped into more. Now, industry standard is about 80-20. So that tells me I'm not even hitting industry, industry standard. So that drives me crazy. So if it looks like I'm consistently going out and looking for more women, it's because I know that that market is there and that there are millions and millions of girls that want to be led the right way. They just might not have the right people leading them yet. And that is what I want. That is what I want to see with Black Swans. I already know that we're going to get the guys. Those guys listen to me. Now I need to have the girls that can be the quote unquote female PG bronze that spent their message the right way. And then we bring it all together as a team. And with the exception of one product, literally harmonize, I design everything for everybody. Yes, there are certain things that a woman probably can't take, but we have women all the time prove that, guess what? I was taking your pro hormones. I didn't have any bad side effects. I actually felt amazing. I got jacked and I'm going to keep on doing it. So that old stigma of like women shouldn't be doing things that guys are doing and this and that, that's really old, outdated, just bad information. Everybody needs to be following the same principles and when I'm looking for athletes, I'm looking for those girls that can get that message out. Sure, everybody loves to look at big asses and big tits. That's, that's what Instagram really got famous for, right? Like every girl with, with a big ass has a million followers. You know what I mean? Every girl with a huge ass has, has two million followers. People say to me all the time, they're like, oh, you know so-and-so? And I'll look and see who it is. And they'll have like two million followers. And they're like, she's famous. And I'm like, no, The Rock is famous. She just has a huge ass and a lot of guys are looking at it and going like this and following her. That doesn't, 
that doesn't mean that you can carry a brand. I want the women who are educating and bringing other women in. So I just keep trying and trying and trying. I will keep on cycling in new women all the time in different sports. We have powerlifters like quads like mom. We've got, you're a multi-sport athlete, Kay Graham. You know, Jenny Geary is, is a machine. Of course, we have our bikini uh, our bikini competitors, wellness, all these different divisions, but I'm going for 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 all of it. I'm a, I'm a net fisherman. I'm just going to throw it out there and, and reel it all in and see which ones are good and, and the ones that make it, make it, and the ones that don't, don't. I think, too, with uh, women, it's like you have to have this, like, perfect balance of like not only being strong and looking great but then also like the social media side is like there's women that we've met i mean we went to uh, in atlantic city and we met uh, this random girl who was like bartending and she was jacked i mean like she was like serving drinks and her arms were massive i was like oh my god this we talked about like fitness and everything and uh you know said like uh we so we talked about um social media as of what's your instagram handle and it was basically like there was none and so it's kind of, I think, difficult to find that athlete that not only can encompass fitness and be super strong and attractive, but then also be really good at social media, understanding how social media platforms work, how to gain an audience, how to push that audience in a certain Holding direction. Holding a conversation, not yeah, just, so, yeah. Yeah, being able to talk on a camera, mm -hmm. I think. So I think there's a hard balance. Like you've got to find that girl that can do both and understand both in order to make a sponsored athlete or be appealing to a company but they have to want it. And I have found that the ones that want it will assert themselves on social media a lot. And I find that in actually many different spaces. And I'm going to give a, a, an example uh, that some people might find this is a funny example, but it, it's at a very, very good point. There is a uh, adult performer and um, she is the, probably arguably the most uh, famous amateur uh, as you know, the verified amateurs go, Miss Lexa is her name. And I reached out to her one day. And part of the reason why I reached out to her is because I could tell she works out hard. And I reached out to her one day and I was like, big fan. Uh, I'd love to send you some products. I don't give a shit if you post them or not. That's not what it's about. Just fan. And she responded back and started speaking and I could tell that it was her. And so after that, I sent her some products, did not ask her to post at all. She thought the products were awesome. And she started posting on her own. Now, this is a person that makes plenty of money, doesn't need shit from me at all. Just like the products, got behind them, and is managing her own account. So I said, it is very refreshing to meet somebody that's a big deal in their space like you are, that is still being candid and talking and doing the things that I try to pay people to do. And what she said meant so much to me and I'll, I will never forget this because there needs to be more people that have this mindset. She said, well, you sent me some really good products. And the pre-workouts that I was using before, I was taking a couple scoops and not really noticing much. I only take half of yours and my workouts are nuts. So they gotta be really, really good. The least I could do is post about it as a thank you. I mean, you sent them to me. And I said, you would not believe the amount of girls that are actually either getting paid or that's part of their job and don't do that. And here you are doing it just because you think it's the honorable thing to do. You not only am I already a fan, but now I'm a fan of your character because people like that are going to be the ones that go and make it in life. So there's no re there's no explanation why she's like that other than she's a good person and she, you know, she has, you know, morals and integrity. But that is what is going to make anyone thrive in any space. Believing in yourself, believing in others, 
doing what is the, the moral and, and right thing and not feeling entitled, which social media creates a lot of entitlement now. Like, I look good, I got a million followers, you should be sending me whatever I want. Like, as successful as I am, and there are plenty of people that are more successful than me, when anyone gives me anything at all, even if they do not ask me to do shit about it, before I even open it, I get my camera ready and I'm like, I gotta do a thank you for this, this person sent me this, and that's that's burned into my, my heart and my brain, possibly because I'm a businessman, but also because I believe that it is the right thing to do. And so if you wanna make it in social media and, and, and in business, you've gotta understand that you can't be entitled, you've gotta do the right thing, and it takes working and hustling and building a team and building camaraderie and bonds and relationships like this, because that circle always comes back to you over and over again. But like we always say too, like surround yourself with people, like like-minded people that are willing to work as hard as you are. Mm-hmm. Like that's the people like we put our, put in our in our circle every single day. Yeah, one hundred percent. One thing before I know Kristen has a question she wants to get to, but mm-hmm. you brought up, and I'm going to ask this because you brought up um, one of the products, and then I want to touch on uh, have you talk about two products basically. Is one is harmonized because we're talking about women. Um, so basically what that product is. And then the other one is, um, we have a lot of women that basically when they come to Kristen, uh, and they work with us, most of these women want to get bigger shoulders. They want to get bigger butts and they don't really care what the scale says too much, but they want like those attributes. And so one of the products that Kristen always talks about with them is recomp. Um, so those two products, harmonize and recomp, can you kind of like touch on what they are for the women that are gonna watch this and might be looking for products and how that could benefit them? Sure. Um, so recomp I'll do first because it's a little bit more complicated. So when recomp, when the data on recomp first came out, and this happens sometimes, if you've been around as long as I have, you you see a lot of data that has some, some study that goes on for years behind it and then has some that's brand new. And a lot of times when you see the stuff that's brand new, it almost seems too good to be true. And many times in the world of supplements, if it seems too good to be true, it, it often is. Because if somebody could create that pill that could just make you get leaner and, and, and stronger at the same time, we would all be loving that pill. We'd all look like a million bucks. I need that uh, pill. Yeah, the pharmaceutical <laughs> like industry would have already been selling it and making billions on it. You know, So with Recomp, the data that came out, and this is what I'll explain to people in a layman's sense that'll make it, them understand it more, is it increases your satellite cell production. So what, what that means is, We all have X amount of cells, right? You've got 100 billion, you've got 200 billion, just just for the sake of this story, right? So with those cells, those cells all have their individual roles. Some are to make skin, some are to make muscle, some are to make bones, right? Well, what Recom does is it's increasing brand new cells. So that means you have more cells to make skin, make hair, make muscle, make bones. if you've got all these brand new cells that just keep on creating in your body, you now have the ability to, when you're training to do these things, let's say you're training to grow a bigger butt and burn more fat, you have extra cells to do these things. So you're really enhancing your genetic potential, which is a com- completely incredible thing. So when it first came out, I looked at it and said, bullshit, there's no way that this product could make new cells like that. It just it's too good to be true. This this goes back to when I was bodybuilding. Bodybuilders were taking what's called insulin growth factor one. And back then, I never did this, but guys were literally 
taking it from cadavers because in the pituitary gland where the IGF-1 is produced, these guys wanted to take that, literally taking it from cadavers, thinking, well, I'm going to have all this new IGF-1 production in my body, so I'm going to be able to grow extra muscle that I wouldn't be able to have. Now, that's just scary and crazy, but that's how nuts bodybuilders work. So now you have a natural alternative that will create more IGF-1. So what we did before we put it out and sold it was we took everybody in the office and we tested our IGF-1 levels. And a good IGF-1 for like a normal person is going to be somewhere around like 200, right? So we took the baseline and then 30 days later of recomp, we took everybody's IGF-1 levels again. Every single person, except for me, of course, in the office went up a minimum of 25, some people like 75 points. And that is mind-blowing to think that your IGF-1 production could go up that much. This is what people spend thousands of dollars on growth hormone for, to get that extra IGF-1 production because it's anti-aging, it's burning fat, it's recovery, it's all these things. So to take a natural supplement that will make you have more IGF-1 in your body, that means you will be able to, even if you don't change anything at all, build more muscle, and burn more fat. Now, most of us are doing a lot. We're either dieting the right way or training the right way or doing cardio. So it's just enhancing all those things that much more. So you take something like Recomp with whatever your plan is, and you're able to get to where you want to get faster because you are building muscle and burning fat at the same time. And it's pretty freaking awesome that, you know, scientists were able to come out with something normal and, and safe that actually does that. And then how does Harmonize benefit a female? Harmonize completely different because Harmonize is actually really quite basic. Just no one, no one decided to put all this stuff together. So I, I've said this in a video before and you guys know, I don't, there's just no reason for me to like bullshit anymore at this point. I've been around long enough. I, I, I call it like it is and Harmonize is not a big seller for me. It's not something that I make that much money on. And, uh, People involved with Blackstone Labs were like, let's just get rid of this product that doesn't really sell. And I I wouldn't do it because it means so much to me because I coached all women my whole life. I specialized in women. That was what I put all my focus into. And I'm talking, I went into endocrinology in school for a while. I went into specific hormone manipulation, female studies. I've gone into all these different courses and subjects to learn a woman's body the best that I possibly could because women's bodies are just incredibly different than men. And just the monthly cycle alone changes what your hormones does dramatically each month. And all women are different. Some are gonna have higher levels of progesterone, some are gonna have higher levels of estrogen, but it changes all the time. And this is why you have so many women that are like, I'm crazy when I have my period or their boyfriends are like, she's crazy when she has her period. This is something that fundamentally and physiologically cannot be changed. So I thought to myself, why hasn't anybody put together a good formula to just ease all that stuff? A formula that will balance your hormones, that's good for your hair, skin, and nails, that attacks everything from that balanced perspective of the reason that you're getting bloated, the reason that your skin is getting oily, the reason that all these things are happening is because your hormones are changing all the time. And there's plenty of natural things that you can take to ease that tension or balance it out, but nobody ever thought to do it. So I said, I'm just going to put all of this stuff together in one pill 
and help women balance their hormones. And so this is a product that whether you are 18 or 65, you can benefit from because even if you get a full hysterectomy, uh, like my grandma, for instance, your, your body is still going to create these hormones in different organs like the liver and things like that. And so you're still going to have imbalances. If you are medically uh, prescribed uh, birth control, for instance, to keep you steady, you're still going to have changes in your hormones. So all Harmonize does is keep things status quo at all times. And that is an amazing place to be because you're not going to have the ups and downs. So you're not going to have these bouts of retaining water. Your period won't be as bad. You won't have periods where your skin is more oily than normal. You're bloated. You're not digesting things the right way. And it's all because you're just taking natural products to ease your body's hormones. And that is something that if you think about all guys are like, I'm just going to take testosterone. I'm going to be on testosterone because testosterone is what makes me a man. So why wouldn't I be on it all the time? And as guys get older, they're like, well, I want to feel like a 25 year old man for the rest of my life. I'm just going to do HRT for women. As you get older and you go through these different changes, whether it's premenopause, menopause, you're going to feel very different at different ages in, in life. So as a woman, why wouldn't you want to do the same thing where you're just balancing everything out and feeling like a good, healthy woman should feel at all times? And that's what Harmonize is. It's a really good product, too. <laughs> I do really like it. It is a product that I am the most proud of because there is nothing like it. And there's a couple brands. Um, there's a brand, uh, and I'll call them out. I don't mind. They're nice people. But Alani Nutrition has their brand balance, right? And so many girls buy this product. And I actually came out with my product first, right? And funny story is they actually didn't trademark the name in the beginning. I was going to call it balance just to fuck with them. And my attorney is like, please don't start a fight with this girl. She's very popular. You're going to have all these young girls hating you. And I was like, I won't do it. Um, and I know how much it sucks when somebody, when you, when you start a new company, you don't think to trademark a name and somebody else steals it because that has actually happened to me before. And they are nice people. But that product became the number one selling product in GNC. And every girl was coming in, they're like, I need to buy this product. I need to buy this product because it's good for my skin, it's good for my hair, it's good for my nails. And psychologically, they're like, oh, I'm feeling so good right away. And really, it, it's kind of just a sprinkle of the ingredients that are in Harmonized. It's not even the true like efficacious doses that the studies are on that show what you need to make this product work. So me knowing that and knowing like, wow, like, women are, are, are really liking this product that's so mild. Imagine if they took the one with the right doses, how much better that they feel. And that's why there was a point where I was just giving it to all my girlfriends and just feeling like, try this product, try this product. And I had husbands that were reaching out to me that said, honestly, this, this product has improved my relationship so much because my wife would go through such crazy, crazy times with her monthly. And now she's balanced and we don't deal with that anymore. And you know, it's unfortunate that so many women have to have, you know, such rough times with their hormone changes and you can just completely balance that out the right way and have an easier and, you know, really more common, peaceful way of life. Um, on the social media end, back to, uh, we were talking a little bit about CrossFit. Do you remember how we first met? Do you I remember did. like your first impression of, of me? I saw you from, uh, from walking from far away. So I'm super observant. And I like telling people this about me, but when I see a room, I see everything. And my vision, the way it looks from behind my eyes, 
is like in the Terminator when he's scanning everything and he sees like the guy and he's like, okay, these clothes will fit me. And he goes and he like takes the guy's clothes. Like I scan a room really hard. So I'm scanning the room and I see Kay Graham. And first thing I saw was like quads coming towards me and delts. And then of course she had like the cute girl next to her face. So in my head, I was like, oh, here comes this CrossFit douchebag. Let me, let me see what she's going to bring to me because so many of the CrossFit girls that I met had major chips on their shoulders. They're almost like, in many ways, like anti-men. And I was like, hey, I love everybody. Don't be anti-me. So when she came over, I expected that to be her personality. And instead, she was so opposite of what I thought. I couldn't believe it. It was like, I, I, I was like, wait a minute, are there more of you out there? Because I, you might be the only one. I need to get you for Blacks and Labs right away. I believe John Bartolo was there, actually. I don't know why. And I think I completely stopped talking to him and just focused on you the whole time. And, you know, next thing you know, we became a member of Blacks and Labs. And then we wound up becoming, you know, really, really good friends. Uh, but you, you actually changed my perspective of CrossFit forever and made me look at it a little bit closer, thinking... Maybe they aren't all man-hating douches. Maybe there are some really sweet ones that just look like man-hating douches. Uh, no, to be fair, your assumptions are correct about the women <laughs> in CrossFit. We were literally just talking about this, I think, last night. They're like the worst female in all different genres of sports, like of female bodybuilders, of different athletes, the Super League, strongmen, and then there's the CrossFit females. And it's like they're on their own pedestal. It's just insane. I don't. I don't understand it. Like I just don't get it with the girls in CrossFit. Especially, the thing is, I, it's, it's so much newer too. You know. So I, I had a girl. This sounds like I'm making it up just to make you guys laugh. But I was in a gym, and typical CrossFitter. I couldn't stop staring at her thighs. They were just so beefy, and she had the socks pulled up, which is a major distraction anyway. And she was just putting on a show. And I'm sorry, when you're doing that, you know everybody's watching you. You know it. And, and, and it, it was impressive, right? So I'm, I'm just watching her. And then finally she turned around and she goes, <laughs> she goes, you think you're tough? And I was like, <laughs> uh, no, I, I was actually just admiring you. And she was like, what, what's so wrong with what I'm doing? And I, and I go, no, no, I, I was saying I'm admiring you. Like, you're, you're strong. It's awesome. I, I just, I'm just enjoying watching it. And she like shook her head at me in disgust. And I, that was like my first time like really being around. I'd never seen a girl like that before. So I was kind of in awe, you know? It's like if, if you were out in the woods and you just happen to see a tiger, like you don't see that shit every day, you're gonna stop and be like, whoa, what's going on over here? I had never seen a girl like that in the gym. And she had like chalk and was making a whole like spectacle with it. So I wanted to see her, you know? And I thought to myself, man, I questioned myself that day, that day, like, was I doing something wrong? It brought me back to when I was 19 years old, and I had first joined, like, my first, like, big boy gym. And there was these power lifters training, and I saw this guy, and I was like, this guy's strong. Like, I would like to learn from him. And I was watching him. He threw the dumbbells down, and he, like, got in my face, and he was like, you got a fucking problem, kid? And I was like, no, I was actually just going to ask you if you could show me how to do that. And he was, like, mad about it. That guy actually got me to compete against him in powerlifting. He was a equipped lifter, and I beat him raw in the same meet just, just because I had, like, so much drive to, like, get him back for what he did. But that, like, 
angry, like chip on the shoulder mentality. My first like year of meeting CrossFit girls, for whatever reason, they all had that, that mentality. So it, it really turned me off to that. And, and then, then I started seeing, well, this is why people don't like CrossFit. So it was nice to see that Kristen was so different than everybody else that I had met before. The thing we always said too is like you look at somebody that's like say famous in like the crossword world and it's like you're famous because everybody looks up to you and really really likes you you should be nice you should say hello and yeah. you know be inviting but so many people just are not and like yeah. i've even experienced that and i have a, a good size following and people like are just not even nice to me it's like i, I don't understand why you would be like that and that's i think just, the worst okay. thing is when you meet somebody you look up to on social media yeah and then they're just like an asshole i've like literally unfollowed people because they're just not like just don't be not nice it sounds so yeah. like petty but yeah. just don't be mean being just assholey to anyone <laughs> in my opinion is just unacceptable you know like yes we're all here together in this crazy world be nice to your fellow man but you have to assume now, especially if you look a certain way, that you might be needing a fan. And to be assholey to a fan, in my opinion, is the most douchey thing that you can do. It's the most douchey thing that you can do in any sport that you are. I don't care if you're the fucking punter on the worst team in the NFL and you only come in and you punt the ball seven times. If someone likes that team and you're like, hey, you're the punter for the Jaguars, you should be very happy that that person is a fan of yours and wants to take the time just to say good job. And you should make them feel special. I, I, I remember every athlete that was ever really cool to me. And you damn sure know that I remember the ones that weren't cool to me. And everybody else remembers that also. Everybody does. Oh, 100%. I, I can remember the times that I've met people and I know who they are and the times that they were just like, horrible people in person. And I'm like, I really am disappointed. And now I really don't like you. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, so that's sometime when you guys are ready, we'll do a completely different show. We can do it on my podcast. If you don't want to upset people, and I'll give you a whole list of all the people that are doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll need a two part episode for it. <laughs> um, okay. Let's get into um, wellness a little bit. I'm really excited about this. Cause I like, um, I like uh, thighs and butts, and I'm excited about this. Speaking so, of thighs and butts, the speaking. last two days, the last 48 <laughs> hours of my life, Chris loves you. I've been way. above average, and I need to say thank you for that. <laughs> so we had Kelly Wilson at our house for the last two days. Let me just tell you, first of all, first time meeting her, she's awesome. Tell us a little bit about her as an up and coming wellness competitor. Okay, so the the history is. So Joe Reiser is, he is like a talent scout, right? And he always finds the same type of look. They're sort of like a, a K Graham type of look, but maybe they haven't gotten like the boobs yet or established themselves yet. They're, they're like the young, like K Graham wannabes, right? And so, but they're always the same type of look, like really cute face, huge ass legs. And they'll reach out to me and I'll be like, oh, Joe must have talked to this girl already. And so sure enough, uh, this young lady was like, I was talking to um, your videographer, Joe Reiser, and I was like, of course you were. And um, we started talking a little bit about what her goals were. So I checked out what she was doing. She joined the Legion, and I was impressed with just the, the foundation of the physique she had when she told me how young she was. And so I said to her, what, is your, what, what are your actual goals? And she said that she was training for wellness. And wellness is the division that I've wanted to see come for a long time. I'm so happy 
that it's here now. I believe that it's going to be the most popular division. It's going to take a couple of years, but as we talked about earlier on in this episode, I, I, I find that most women, they want bigger butts. They want bigger legs. They don't necessarily always want to have bigger backs and, and chests and arms. They just want bigger legs and bigger booties. And so what, what happened in the sport is you had the bodybuilding division and there was a lot of women that just didn't want to get that big. So they started the fitness division. Now the fitness division was originally like aerobic And that division got so intense with gymnastics that they said a lot of these girls can't do all these aerobics and stuff. We're going to create the figure division. The figure division was basically fitness without a routine. And the figure division blew up because there were so many women that were like, I want to put on some muscle. I want to be strong. And that division kept expanding, expanding, expanding. What happened was the girls were starting to get too muscular. And so they were like, we got to tone this down, but we're not going to change the whole division. We're going to start a bikini division. And so the first year of bikini, which was like 2011, I think, it was hilarious because it was basically like Hawaiian Tropic. And so you're at these bodybuilding shows and all these Hawaiian Tropic chicks are coming out and there's not like a lot of rules to it. And we're all watching it like, this is actually pretty awesome. And so bikini started evolving into putting on a little bit more muscle. So you had fitness, which is, which is the routines. You had the bigger, more muscular figure girls. Now you've got the bikini girls that were getting more and more fit. And there were so many girls who were starting to get saturated that they decided that they were going to start what was called the women's physique division. And the women's physique division, which was my favorite division for a while because I just feel that I'm a master of getting girls really lean. That's just what I do. And they were telling some of the figure girls, you're just too lean, you're too hard, it's too much. Soften up a little bit, go to bikini or go to bodybuilding. And a lot of them didn't want to do that. So women's physique, which was basically like what bodybuilding was in its heyday, like Corey Everson, which, which I thought she was beautiful. Um, and it was figure girls basically doing bodybuilding poses. So that division started to really, really, really expand. And when that division expanded, they decided that they wanted to make the bikini girls smaller. So you have all these girls that are like athletic, fit, you know, beautiful shape that they're like, hey, you got to get smaller now. So these girls that had take all this time to build up their legs and squat and build their booties, they're just running and running and running and trying to get smaller and smaller. And some of them just couldn't get smaller to what they wanted. So outside of the USA, you had this new division that was blowing up. And for whatever reason, they called it the wellness division. I have no idea why they wanted to call it that. People always say, oh, they should change the name. That, that, that name makes no sense. Who cares? That's what they, they wanted to call it. It's the bring wellness division. You know what I mean? We, would it make you happier if they called it the bigger butt division? I mean, that's what it's called. So in South America, um, Europe, you started seeing these girls that had the beautiful bikini upper bodies, but they just had way more muscular legs because they weren't being told that they were too skinny. And it wasn't coming over here. Finally, a couple of years ago, they decided we're going to bring this here. And last year, you started to see it first on the scene, and they decided this year they're going to bring it to the Olympia, right? So when that happened, Jim Mannion, the president of the IFBB, is the most important man in all of bodybuilding, uh, reached out to me, and he said, I know you love the wellness division. You've always sponsored our events, and uh, he's, a, he's a great guy. He's a pioneer of the sport, and, and I'm very fortunate to have a good relationship with him. 
Uh, plus, when he calls, you answer the phone. And so he goes, how would you like to be the official sponsor of the Pittsburgh Pros Wellness Championship? This will be the first of its kind, and it will be the first one where you see women qualify for the Olympia. Now, to me, that means, and, and some people may argue this, whoever wins this show in the pro division, that's who's going to go on and win the Olympia. Like, you're setting the stage. You're the first Olympia qualifier, and you know everybody's showing up. So if you win this first one saying this is the first girl going to the Olympia, that's the girl that everybody's going to go after to beat. So that's a huge big deal. So what they're doing is they're bringing all of the IFBB pro judges to this event so they can decide who is the freaking best one. So you're going to get girls from Brazil, girls from South America, girls that are here all come in to be in front of these top dogs. Like, I want to be Miss Olympia. Here I am. Who's going to win? Now, because of that, the next freaking day, they're doing the amateur championship. And if you are an amateur wellness competitor, you get to watch them judge the girls that are going to the Olympia first. So you and your mind get to see, okay, these are the best girls in the world. I have to strive to be like that. And then you're going to get judged by the same exact people the next day. That never, ever, ever happens. So when you go to these regional shows, like you're going to go be Miss Texas or Miss Florida, whatever, you get one of those judges usually, and then you get your state people. You don't get all of them in one spot. So for the girls that are doing this show, like, like the young lady, Keely, that you have, she is going to have the opportunity to not only be around the best girls in the division that she wants to compete in, but to be judged by the top judges who are going to know her face and remember her after this inaugural big event. So you got to bring anybody that's doing it at that show. They've got to bring their best because all eyes are on you at that show. And, and what I think makes it really cool is that portion of the show is brought to you by Blackstone Labs. And I'm super proud of that. Super, super proud. That's awesome. Yeah. So for somebody like her that's going to the show as the amateur and gets to watch the show the day before, who would you tell her to like look up to? Are there any athletes there that you would say these are the girls or this is the girl that like you should Strive model after? Well, I, have, I have a feeling that uh, many people that are following the sport closely, there is a, a competitor who was in bikini for a long time named Yurishna. And Yurishna was always penalized in bikini for having two muscular legs. So when this division, division opened, all these girls that were like, oh, I love Yurishna's legs, this is going to be where she goes to shine. So I, if I were a betting man, which I'm not, I would bet that Yurishna is going to be the one that sets the, the tone and it's like, this is how you got to be, ladies. Now, there's going to be a bunch of other really, really strong physiques there. I'm hoping it's not set in stone, but she is – possibly going to be competing there. Frida Paulson, who is a Blackstone Labs athlete, who decided to make the switch to wellness towards the end of last year. Now, one thing that I've done with Frida is, and I, I, I think it's, it's very important um, that I've maintained this position, is I want my athletes to do what makes them happy. It's not about what makes me happy. It's not about what makes everybody else happy. you got to do what makes you happy, right? That's, at the end of the day, most important. So when she first started bikini, competing in bikini. I had no idea who she was. I saw her compete at the Olympia. And she was leaner and harder than the other girls. She had nasty legs. 
And I pointed at her from the crowd and I said, what is that girl's name? That is what Blackstone Labs is all about. I want that girl. Well, I went out and I got her and I made her a Blackstone Labs athlete. And I told her, I go, I, I truly think that you have the most impressive bikini physique that I've ever seen. And I've been doing this for a while. Well, literally right after that, a combination of the judges saying, we're going to tone bikini down even more and COVID hit. So she went through an entire year of there being no shows and not working out at all to try to, you know, conform to the standards that they want. She sent me some progress pics at the end of last year. And I was like, this is really not training. And she's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm really not training. And, you know, I think that they, they think that I'm too big still. And I was like, look, you got to do what you want to do at the end of the day, but don't you miss working out? Like, don't you miss like what got you into this in the first place? The whole reason that you even compete is because you loved working out. You played soccer. Then you got into this. Now you can't even work out anymore. Why not just get back to working out? See, see if you still have that passion and go into wellness. If you don't want to do it, that's cool. That's your thing. I'm just saying, I'm looking at it from where do I think that you're going to be the best? That seems like the best option. And at the time, she was like, you know, like, it's just such a big, you know, adjustment. I, I've only done bikini. Fortunately, uh, she's got some really good people in her corner. And they told her, like, look, you know, you should do wellness. You know, start training again. Let's see what happens. In a matter of a couple months, the, the improvements that she's made, it would take most people three years to do what she did or three months because her body was just craving it. So I said to her, I go, you are going to be what wellness is all about. You are. And I know you don't realize it yet because you've only done bikini, but you really should go to Pittsburgh. I know it wasn't part of your, your plan and get up into the mix. So she talked to the powers that be and she was like, this is what I look like right now. What do you guys think? And they're like, you look freaking awesome. You, you should be up there in the mix. Don't hold back. Don't wait until later on the year because you feel like you've got to keep putting on more size. See where you're at now. You're not going to get your ass kicked. I think that perhaps in her head, she's like, well, what if I go there and I get my ass kicked? And then I didn't, you know, I, I competed too fast. And it's normal to feel that way when you're going into something you've never done before. You know, like if you've been doing CrossFit your whole life and somebody's like, hey, we're going to train you for this powerlifting competition right now. You got three months to do it to be the best that you can be. In your mind, you might have people telling you that you can be good, but you've never done it before. You don't know what to expect. So there's a lot going on with her. I believe in her so much. And I know that there's so many other people. I, I, all I have said was, I'd like to bring you to the show no matter what. You don't have to compete, but why not train for it like you are? So she started training for it and she honestly looks amazing. And I hope that she does it because I think that she's going to be in the mix. And even if she's not, when she leaves that stage, she's going to know, okay, I did this and this amount of time to get to the Olympia. This is what has to be done. And if you're a young person and you're looking in and you're looking at Frida and you're like, she's awesome. I want to be like her. And she goes and gets third or she goes and gets seventh or maybe she gets second. Now, you know, as somebody that's looking up to her, okay, well, she's right in the mix too. This is the look that I got to go for it. And she's right on our team, which I think is awesome. So. Yeah, totally. And she does look amazing. Um, expos. I think everybody like basically wants to know at this point, because we were just talking about this today. Are expos going to be the same? Like we just did, we just talked about COVID a little bit. 
COVID just happened. We haven't had a, a real expo like we had in the past. Are we going to have expos again? And also, like I think about for those that have never been to an Olympia or the Arnold type of expo, um, to kind of set the tone was like, I remember the first time that we went to the Blackstone booth. It was like you guys had the big Wheel of Fortune wheel. Yeah. And there's athletes in the center of this booth area. PK Braun there, sun up to sun down. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, dressed to the nine. Yeah. And then there's a line of people that wrapped around the booth. And then it was like, it went across the convention center to like the restrooms. And it was like people waiting in line to spin this wheel, win prizes, meet all these top athletes to meet you. Um, I mean, it's just like wall to wall people. Is that ever going to be, are we going to see that again? Or is this gone forever? I mean, how, philosophical do you want to get on this podcast right now? <laughs> <laughs> also so where is where is the olympia at this year it was in orlando the olympia this right. year it will be in florida um i believe it's going to be in orlando or perhaps tampa but it will be in florida florida has uh, we're very fortunate down here because florida hasn't really changed that much uh right. we've got a very very Strong-minded governor. We also, um, depending on how liberal your listeners are, we also have a very uh, Republican mindset down here where we're all kind of just like, okay, if there was body bags everywhere, maybe we'd be acting a little bit different, but the hospital numbers are fine. Some people have gotten sick and they're recovering really fast. Yes, I know your cousin's 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 grandma's friend died, and I'm sorry. To, I'm terribly sorry for that, but... For the most part, the numbers are not there. And so because of that, our style of life hasn't changed that much down here. So because of that, they're bringing a lot of the events down here. Now, they're still following all of the guidelines, which before it was six feet, now it's like three feet. And all the other things, you know, you have to wear a mask to get in. I hate to say this, but I just don't know if it'll ever be like that ever again, because there's been so much fear put into the world that the mindset of so many of our, our fellow humans is just skewed and changed now. So I don't know that we'll see expos the way that we used to be where it was wall to wall people because people are just terrified of getting sick now. If, if the world stays like that, which maybe in a few years it won't be, then no, there'll never be an expo like that ever again. I miss those days. I love it. I'm not afraid of any of that shit. And I know there are many people that are like me that are like that also. I, I still love it when I meet somebody that wants to shake my hand. If you want to shake my hand, I'm happy to shake your hand. Also, if you're scared, I completely respect that and I'll stay away from you. Because there's such a disconnect right now, I can't see there being a thriving expo with half the people being like, well, I'm going to go in and not care. And the other half being like, I don't want to go near anybody. Just from that, you're going to have 50% less numbers just, just right there. And it's sad. And to the promoters that are listening to these shows, I'm sorry. And this is part of the reason why we're not sponsoring as many events as we used to. The ROI is just not there because there's so many less people that are going to the things. It's, it's, yeah. it's honestly sad. And, I'm, and I'm it's got to be hard to even, even if you think there's going to be 50% capacity, there's always the fear that it just gets canceled completely. So it's hard to, I think, you know, for a company to look to invest that kind of money yeah. with the fear that it doesn't even happen at all. Yeah, I, Arnold. I saw a lot of events get, get canceled last year. 
And then I saw events that were moved around. And you know what? Give it to the promoters that tried really hard to still put on a show because some of them did a great job and some of the poor guys got their asses kicked and tried to put on events where, you know, there's a tent and you got to bust people to this one room and then they're going to go into this tent. And it, it's such a stressful thing for everybody, for the promoters, for the competitors. Numbers are down. Money is down. That it, it becomes a very negative experience. Now, down here in Florida, most of the events were run very smooth and there was pretty good turnouts. Uh, they, like I said, they're following the guidelines, but you're still getting pretty good turnout. So I think that if you are going to go to anything, I expect the Olympia to be a lot better uh, this year down in Florida. I would encourage people to go to it. I think there's going to be plenty of people here, but it's also not going to be in Vegas, which was a very cool part about the Olympia. Yeah. You know, everyone would always go to the Arnold and to the Olympia. And it was really two different reasons. You went to the Arnold because it was just the craziest thing of all time. It was just the most people you've ever seen, the most events ever. It was just madness, and you had to see it. Everybody went to the Olympia because it was basically like a fitness party. You know, like, you're going to go, you're going to compete. There's going to be pool parties. If you want to go out and get good dinners, you're in Vegas. It's a crazy city. It's a fun time. It's like a cool vacation that you're also doing fitnessy stuff at. Well, if Vegas is kind of shut down, you're not going to have that effect anymore. I mean, one of my favorite things that I did for years was hosted the official pool party the next day. And we did that at Encore many years. We rented out the um, uh, rehab one year. We had the whole place with a freaking billboard on the highway that had us on it. And we, we had a hot girl contest there. I mean, we, we had a freaking blast. And, you know, nowadays I just don't know when it's going to be back to that. I hope that it is. I, I truly believe for the younger generations, you know, for if I ever have kids, for my friends that have kids, I hope for them that they get to see the cool stuff that I got to see because it just really isn't like that now. No, I agree. I'm hoping. Um, let's get into one more topic and then we'll call it a night. Um, probably one of my favorite topics <laughs> is uh, like nudity. Um <laughs> Let's talk about the new, I don't know if it's new, but the like new social media platform that is like, I feel like just skyrocketing in exponential form. And that is OnlyFans. Yes. Um, I feel like we're at a point now where everybody who is like a parent, uh, I feel like I have aunts and uncles now, uh, friends everywhere who are like, what's this OnlyFans thing? Yeah. Like everybody knows what it is now. So what's your feedback on this? So OnlyFans was a a great idea that really, really, and, and this is, there, there's data behind this, there's study. I always, I study everything. So I, I'm, I'm just a very curious person by nature. So, and I also like boobs and naked girls and things like that. So when OnlyFans first became a thing, I said, this is cool. This is, uh, it's giving everyday people a chance to kind of like live out their fantasies, right? And monetize it perhaps. But what happened was the biggest thing for OnlyFans by far was COVID. So when COVID shut down and a lot of people did not have shit to do, were really, really worried about making money and worried about bringing things in, started saying, you know what? I'm trapped in the house. 
I got my OnlyFans, maybe I'll start putting out some content, maybe I'll put out more content. And the ones that manage it the right way started really, really growing it. And you had no choice. So let's just say, let's just go straight adult for a minute. Let's just go straight adult. Say that you are uh, a stripper and your strip club is closed for seven months, right? Your means of income is dancing topless in a bar and that's removed from your life for seven months. So let's just say you were making $2,000 a week and, and now you're, you're relying on hopefully getting some sort of uh, you know, unemployment check that half the world didn't even get. And, and what kind of unemployment are you going to get being an adult performer that's making a shitload of tips? You know what I mean? Like figuring all that out, getting the right account behind it. Good luck. Because I know so many people that didn't get shit out of that whole situation. And now you're in the privacy of your own home. And instead of going out to dance from midnight till three in the morning, well, you can put on a little routine in front of your camera in your room in the privacy of your own home, and you can decide what you want to do to monetize it. Well, for the girls that got really behind that, I'm just giving one example, money started coming in and they started realizing like, I can do a lot more with this. Now, this is a very, very, of course, generalized way to describe this, but many of those girls started building this consistently and realizing, wow, I can bring in more money like this. I'm not allowed to go anywhere. I should really feed this and see what can happen with it. Now, I told a lot of the girls from the start, here's the deal. If you're just putting what's on your Instagram, that's gonna get old really, really fast. People will see that one time, but they're gonna wanna see more. Now, the biggest decision comes here is, how much do you wanna push on Instagram? Are you somebody that's just gonna wanna show your boobs? Are you gonna wanna know, show no boobs? Are you gonna wanna show full nudity? Are you okay with masturbation? Are you okay with pure sex? I know a lot of couples that do that and now they're monetizing it a lot. And again, we're in a world where COVID took money away from so many people. Now you've got a way to do it in your own home. It's almost a no brainer to not do it. So the one fear that I have, and this is why I always tell people, to stash money and prepare for the worst always. The fear that I have is not that OnlyFans is going to crumble. I think OnlyFans is here to stay. I think it's gonna get more and more competitive. The fear that I have is that we're gonna hit a point where it's so competitive, we start seeing some divisions, and then all of a sudden people start saying, you know what, maybe I'm gonna go back to the old way of just paying 99 on Pornhub and doing it like that. Now Pornhub has kind of changed their infrastructure they're doing a lot of things differently to monetize things as well. But in all business, you get to a point where there is some sort of separation, split, divide, or even a topple. And OnlyFans will get to that point where there's going to be some sort of split in the infrastructure, some sort of divide, some sort of topple where certain people will really thrive and then other people will, will fall off. And that's where the true management just like any other business is gonna come into play. But I can tell you this, the people that really thrive on OnlyFans, they're pumping into it, just like the people that are trying to pump social media. And a lot of people are, are fed up with Instagram because they're, they're being told, I can't do this now. You can't do this, you're getting punished for all these things. And if you're not getting punished on another platform and you're seeing you know, monetary success, of course you're gonna be feeding that one more. Of all people, how did you not come up with OnlyFans. <laughs> I, I wonder that all the time. So what I had to do, 
and this always happens to me, is this has happened to me on Facebook, this has happened to me on Instagram, and of course, it happened to me on OnlyFans. There was a PJ Broad OnlyFans that was soliciting mostly gay guys, which is fine, I love gay guys too, uh, to work for Blackstone Labs and sending pictures that were not even me, and then people started bringing it to my attention. So I was like, man, this is happening there too, because this happened on Instagram also. And so what I did was I went and I started my own page and I, I put in the thing like, yes, this really is me. Because I would talk to people and they'd be like, I was already talking to PJ. And I'm like, no, you're talking to one of the fake PJs. I'm like, this really is me. I'm, I can prove that it's me. I'm here as a fan. I'm not even putting out any content because the case that I'm in, my FDA case, I have to, I have to uh, remain, I guess, squeaky clean, even though we all know that I'm, my personality is not a squeaky clean personality, but I can't really change what I'm doing with myself too much. I've got to just be the CEO of Blackstone Labs. Now, if it came down to it, I don't care. I think that everybody should be allowed to do whatever makes them happy. And no, I mean more along the lines is how did you not create OnlyFans? Like how so, are you not the man? How are behind? you not Mr. OnlyFans running this thing? We had an idea. <laughs> we had an idea about monetizing a lot of our so back when Patreon started to take off a little bit. So Patreon was it is still around. Um, yeah. it never really did what, what it could have did the way that OnlyFans did. OnlyFans wasn't around yet. So I, I had a lot of girls that were on Patreon that I was actually managing. And what happened was the advice that I was giving them, they took it over, over to OnlyFans, and I'm not gonna say their names, and they, they learned to really monetize that. So I wanted to either come up with a management group for OnlyFans, which me and a couple of my people really got, I had an attorney involved, I had contracts involved. We were gonna get really deep into it. We didn't want to start our, our own platform because we kind of liked what OnlyFans was doing. And you know what? Rather than trying to pull a bunch of people over to our platform, we thought, let's just stick to where it's working right now and have another piece to it. Then just things just started getting more and more frustrating with the case and everything else and just the time that goes into it that we sort of just bailed out on it. I still think it's a great idea. And I am mad that we didn't do this years ago because we, were, we really were going to do it. We had a group of girls that we were behind, that we were doing a bunch of hot photo shoots with anyway, who are now really, really great performers on OnlyFans making big bucks. So, you know, it just goes to show you, you snooze, you lose, and that's, and that wasn't a fear aspect. That was just literally not a setting the proper time to do it. So talk about people making like big bucks on OnlyFans. Do you think with April 15th coming up, um, people are ready to do their taxes? Yeah. How many people do you think mess this up? Big in 2020 <laughs> and are not ready for April 15th to hit them in their now, pockets. What happens is a lot of OnlyFans money is new money. And new money is great. It's exciting. And a lot of the kids that I was managing on OnlyFans, their, their first month, uh, they were like, I'm going to buy an i8. I'm like, yeah, I had a good month. Put your money in the, in the bank. With <laughs> <laughs> that G-Wagon. Second month was good. I'm, I'm, I'm selling my jam, I'm, I'm getting the I-8. And I, and, and I had this conversation with, I don't know why it was an I-8, it's, it's really not even a great car. And uh, that, I think I was more disappointed than that. I'm like, you know, I'll tell you what car to get. You know, don't waste it on that. So I always tell people, try to plan for the worst always. 
And that's, I hate to put it negative like that, but at least you've got something to fall back on no matter what, right? So when you get new money, and I will admit this happened to us years ago, we didn't have a good accountant that would, that a very good accountant will tell you, you should be paying quarterly taxes, right? And a lot of people are like, quarterly taxes, fuck that. I gotta give them a line at the end of the year anyway, or I'm getting mine back at the end of the year. And I can promise you, if you're at a point where you're making big money on OnlyFans, you're not getting money back. You can find a really, 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 really good accountant, but you are going to have to pay. Now, if you've got somebody good in your corner that's having you make these quarterly payments, you're setting this money aside, even though you got a lot coming in, to prepare you for one that April 15th comes. Because when it comes, you're going to get blasted in a way that you didn't prepare for. Because <laughs> it's so new. Gonna sell your and all these things that are happening, you're going to be like, whoa. And this is what your accountant's going to say to you. This is what they always say. When you are not prepared to pay all this money, your accountant's going to say, but think about how much you made on OnlyFans. And it's not going to make you feel any better because if you didn't plan for it, the money's not going to be there. And the IRS, they're getting their money no matter what. They're getting their money no matter what. So having a good money manager or somebody understands this, I have set some of the girls up with money managers so they can understand these things. And it's frustrating because they're like, why do I have to give this money here? I'm the one who's making it. And I'm like, trust, trust me, they're going to come take it from you anyway. So you've got a plan and structure ahead. I, I tell people, if you're going to be making a good amount of money, you should just, in your mind, and this sounds crazy, every third month, just to be safe, don't spend any of that money at all and just put it somewhere where the IRS can take it. Every third month. Some people will say, well, you know, if you pay your taxes quarterly. But if, if you're making that much money, in that third month, just take all that money you made and put it here because the IRS is probably going to want most of that anyway. And if you're yep. doing that, you're going to be prepared. Rather than waiting for the end of the year and being like, okay, well, I made X amount of money, but I spent X amount of money and I have to give... 40% of what I spent to the IRS now, and I don't happen to have that anymore, then you get yourself in a very, very tricky situation. Yeah, especially when, when somebody thinks they're going to have to pay like five or 7,000, and then their CPA is like, you owe 40,000 or 50,000 to the government. And they're like, whoa, wait, how? Like, people just don't get it. And yeah. uh, I, I, think, I think it's a rude awakening coming for a couple of people uh, in the next two weeks. There was a year where... And you know, a lot of people that won't know terms like capital gains and things like that. So there was a year where Blackstone Labs blew up and it was the funnest year of my life. And we were, were young guys, new money. So we're like, I want this car, I want this car, I want this. And we actually were paying quarterly taxes, but we had grown so much for the accountant that we were with was a very bad accountant and he had us paying just a minimum amount. So when the year was done, even after deductions and everything else, I'll never forget this. So the, the, the day I die, I'm just going to throw the number out. He was like, all right, so you owe $360,000. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I paid quarterly. <laughs> I thought we were good. And his response was, but think about how much you made if that's how much you owe. And I was like, no, 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 no. Doesn't make it better. That's not <laughs> so it better. 
because I'm like, where are we supposed to have that? I guess I should sell some of these things that I just bought because I wasn't prepared for that. Then you learn how to structure your money where you're just giving a lot to the IRS no matter what so that you are prepared for these things. So when people see my paychecks now, they're like, that's what you get paid. And I'm like, I'm planning ahead because of things I learned years ago with the IRS to soften the blow for when that time of the year comes. And, and let me just throw this out there for all the people that hated the big orange man. If you're in the higher tax brackets, wait until you see how your taxes hit you this year, because it's going to be even worse this year. You're going to be paying a lot. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Is there anything like exciting going on on your end? Like we've like, Hit you with question after question. What do you have going on? Anything like exciting? Anything you want to promote? Anything, Anything you, you want to tell people about? Can't end it on like death and taxes. Um, no, no, nobody wants that. Had to end it on OnlyFans and nudity and boobs. And <laughs> had to ruin it. Um, so what is going on with Blackstone Labs? So the coolest thing that we have going on, that I'm super super excited about, is rather than making a home gym. I made a Blackstone Labs gym with one of our warehouse units. And I'm going to do a whole video series on this, how to make a really, really, really badass gym on a crazy budget. And when I put it all out there of like how inexpensive we did this, it's going to blow people's mind because it's going to be like one of the best gyms in South Florida. And the coolest thing about it is it's not open to the public. So the only people that can work out at this gym are members of the Blackstone Labs company employees and our athletes, people that are in town, you know, for events or for videos or whatever. They're going to have their own key cards, codes that they can enter and go into the gym. We're going to shoot all our videos in there now. We're going to shoot all sorts of new content in there now. And we really want to make the Blackstone Labs gym our own little Blackstone Labs mecca for all the content that we do. So for that specific reason, we wanted it to be very, very black, dungeony with red equipment that really pops. It's gonna have like a really, really like dark but intense look. The the lighting, uh, we work with professional photographers, of course, like Ryan Loco and all these guys. So we're gonna make sure that we have the best lighting so that everybody looks crazy when they train. The video content is gonna be really good, and um, I'm most excited about that because it's it's essentially my own gym, but it's the Blackstone gym. When is that going to be open to the non-public? So, <laughs> Friday, we have the mirrors coming in. And let me tell you, that is the biggest expense. That's the one spot you're not going to get a deal on. They don't fucking tell you that. Uh, <laughs> I would like to give a shout out to Steve Weinberger, who... Uh, Bev Francis is powerhouse gym. Steve Weinberger runs the show up there. He's been a fixture in bodybuilding for all these years. I was having a conversation with him about the NBC Universe and the New York Pro, which are shows that uh, I sponsor proudly. And he said, what else is going on? I said, man, just putting together this gym. You know, it's nothing like your gym, but it's a lot of work. I go, man, the, the weights are expensive, huh? And he was like, did you get them all yet? And I told him, I was like, during COVID, most of these places wanted $3 a pound. Yeah. And if you think about it, so that's a 100-pound dumbbell. That's 300 bucks. And you need two of those. And then, you know, 95, 90, 80, going all the way down, then all your 45s. I mean, it adds up fast. So he told me, call this number, 
they're expecting your call. I called the number and the woman was like, Steve told me that you're going to call. He said to give you the best deal possible. And the price that I got on all our weights was dramatically cheaper wow. than where we were quoted even in China, which is the cheapest. It was even cheaper than that. So thank you so much, Steve Weimer. Now we have all of our 45s, 25s, 10s. There will be no 5s and 2.5s in this gym. I'm sorry. But in in, in the world of, of PG Braun and Blackstone Labs, if you need a 2.5, you're just not in the right gym. I'm sorry. Just just go up, just go up a little harder. Push your push the max a little harder. <laughs> if you want oh to that bad, I'll get you a clip that weighs a little heavier. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's going to be very, very soon. Yeah. We got to, we got to come down and see that. Yeah. We have to come down. Yeah. You guys can contact that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I do want to say thank you so much for, uh, for joining us tonight. I know we ran over a little bit and uh, I didn't mean to keep you this long, but uh, I'm very long. It's always my fault. Yeah. No, it is 100% your fault. Uh, so I'm not really apologizing. <laughs> but that his much. hair looks awesome. Yeah. Your hair thank does you. look great. Nobody even was honored. The hair <laughs> and we are honored that you decided to take, uh, take tonight and hang out with us, and uh, and I'm I'm excited. Yeah. It's been really well. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I'll tell you, coming in tonight, I was uh, and without getting all personal, I had a, a rough day and I was uh, depressed and sad, and I was I was almost gonna apologize and say, hey, let's do another one where I can be smarter and better and funnier, but I feel like it all went really well. And I hope you guys weren't disappointed. I feel like it was a good show. No, not at all. No, yeah, at least put out some information that people can learn from. That's what I always want. Yeah, no, I think that, and that's what we try to do is like make it educational. Make there's always a ton of people that want to either a start businesses, people that love fitness, mm -hmm. people that just love history of how things evolved. And I think we try to like kind of hit all of that. And uh, yeah, I think it was. Uh, yeah. You know, again, I want to thank you again to, for doing this, and thank you for the last two days of uh, setting up our weekend for yeah. us. And uh, yeah, you keep saying weekend, but it was a Tuesday, I, Wednesday. Now that I have uh, the faith that I have in Chris as a photographer and videographer. I'll, I'll Kristen, if you want to kill it before it gets worse, I might just start sending people there. No, you Do know it. what? It's, it's vet them, but I mean, Callie was awesome, and like, we just had a don't blast. go on like Craigslist right. and look yeah. up like, <laughs> hey, you want some pictures taken? Here's their address. Right, but, uh, right, right, right. No, I think we're excited. I think we're, we're starting to brainstorm some people, and yeah, I think we could have a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, we had a blast. We both had a blast. So yeah, I'm glad. And she was super excited to go out there, and I'm very excited about her. She is um, – I just want to talk about her for 30 seconds. I make people prove themselves to me now because everybody just has, has burned me. So I told her from the start, I'm like, look, you're not going to get any hand-me-outs. If you want it, this is how it's going to be. The first time we spoke, I told her I could only talk to her at seven o'clock in the morning. And that was when we had our call. She asked me numerous times, can you talk? And I told her every time, no, I can never talk. So you can text me and wait for me to respond back to you. And I will give you assignments that I want you to do almost like a, like a teacher and a student. And she has followed every assignment perfectly to a T to a point where she's really won me over and I want her to do well. I don't want her to disappoint me. Uh, and the only way that she could disappoint me would be if she stopped trying so hard. And so far she's been trying really, really hard and that's what matters the most to me. So as long as she keeps doing that, whatever happens in the end, happens in the end, but I'm very proud so far. No, well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
Uh, I think I think she's gonna do well. Yeah, she's she wants good, to do well. Good kid, good head on her shoulders. Yeah. So. Well, she's got she got Jen Strobo in her corner. Who, if there's a female PG Braun, it's her because she ain't gonna let her slack, and she's tough, just like me. So she's she's got the That's right. That's the one thing that uh, she did say about Jen was that she liked the fact that Jen is like hard on her. Oh, yeah. Um, and if she messes up, Jen holds her accountable and doesn't just kind of like give her a, like rub her back and say, it's okay. Like Jen, she said, she and, calls her out. Yeah. She said okay. that Jen is tough with her and she, she appreciates that. And I think any athlete would like, nobody wants to coach. No, not any athlete would. I, I don't think it's as common as you think. A lot of athletes Maybe, but, are soft, but you know what, when you're on stage and you get second place and, and this, I actually said this to her and I'll call her out on it. You know, she didn't know she made a little mistake and she ate a shitload of dates right and she told jen and so everybody's heard this <laughs> i texted her and i was like how many dates did you eat and she was like 25 and i'm like 25 so i pull up it's so easy to have these old calculators now so i was like guess what you ate 600 calories of dates that's three krispy kreme donuts and i was like do you like krispy kreme donuts and she was like yes i do and i was like i love krispy kreme donuts so but I can't eat three of them. I know next time you want to do something like you just did, which was the equivalent of eating three Krispy Kreme donuts, and you get second place when you do your show, maybe you'll think to yourself, well, I wonder if I would have won if I didn't eat those three fucking Krispy Kreme donuts in the form of 25 dates. And mm -hmm. she was like, I completely understand what you're saying. I was like, don't let that happen again. I'm not going to be nice to you about it. Your friends are going to tell you that you look good and everything else. A good coach is not going to back off when you make mistakes like that because that that's like in, in T-ball when everybody gets a trophy. That's not how you really win in life. So. Right. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah. It's like, like when you were a little kid playing football. Like, your coaches weren't nice to you. Like, none oh. of them were nice to you. It was yeah, brutal. Yeah. Like, But I think people needed that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, thank you. Um, it was a pleasure. Yeah, we'll, we'll do this again. We'll have you out and again. We'll figure out something else to talk about. Or we'll go on your podcast and we'll get a little bit more uh, rough around the edges. We'll, uh, we'll make our lists. Yeah. <laughs> anybody, right, man. anybody that wants to know when I am on OnlyFans, it's usually 5 to 7 in the morning. So depending on what time zone you're in, if you want to try to get money out of me or get action out of me, that's the time that you should be in my DMs. There's a lot of people right now like setting their alarm clocks at 5 a.m. Yeah. So wait till tomorrow. Your DMs. It will be. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank awesome. you so much. All right. Thanks, brother. We appreciate it. Thanks, PJ. Love you guys. You're the best. Take care. All right. Thank you guys for joining us, and we will catch you guys next week. Bye.